You have entered the 13, a place where real stories about music, touring, and the beyond are told. Music does something to us. We all experience it in our own way. It can affect our senses, transport us through time, and release emotions. On this podcast, we will talk with people about the power of music and the beyond. What does the beyond mean? Let's find out together. Turn on your metronomes because this time is about to be tracked. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to The 13. I'm your host, Ryan 13. And on today's show, we have Ben Carroll. And I could tell you a little bit about him, but I'm going to let Ben tell uh, you a little bit about him. Hey, Ben, how are you doing? Good, good. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. Just enjoying this rainy weather down here in South Texas, wet, waiting for a cold front, air quote, cold front to come through. <laughs> But it'll be cooler than 100 degrees, so I'm stoked and ready to go. So for uh, our audience that may or may not know a little bit about you, would you just uh, drop us a few clues? Sure. I am a musician for many, many years. Um, in my uh, in my early 20s, I was in a band called Ra, and I technically still am in my mid-40s. <laughs> and nice. um, yeah. We uh, we had uh, we had a good little run of it and um, still are releasing albums because we released one what two what year is it two oh, years ago know. three years ago I don't know it all blends together now and uh, yeah I've been doing that for many years but do lots of other things these days I do a lot of ambient music and sound healing as well and yeah life is an adventure these days I'm in uh, I'm in Georgia so I'm not too far from you but oh, yeah uh, moved down here about a year ago from Maine and lived all over the place New York L A before that so awesome georgia man i always think i can't think of the name of the club i'll, I'll think of it and you'll be like oh yeah i've been there tabernacle uh, uh, probably it that's it that's probably it that's that one almost... sticks in my i don't know why that one sticks in my that's like the weirdest name ever that's the club that sticks in my head <laughs> i mean yeah dude i remember i think i totally remember that one i think i remember the load-in being really weird too but, i don't um... remember that i only remember the name Okay, cool. Um, one of the things I wanted to start off with was talk about how we met. So I just want to bring this up because it's funny to me. I brought it up on another show. We met on a show called Expanding Reality over there with Brandon Thomas. You guys go check that out. And uh, we were supposed to do a show, but the internet wasn't working super well for the host. So me and Ben and another guest were just able to sit back and talk. And and I'm just like nervous because I don't know anybody and I'm sitting here name dropping stuff like I toured with King's X I toured with Skid Row blah 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 and I'm sitting there looking at Ben like this dude looks familiar why does he look so familiar and it's because he's in the band raw that there's a guitar player and I'd seen him play live several times when uh I like later when we met up on the show again I I was like hey man sorry you know <laughs> I'm that douchebag <laughs> dropping names over here but um one of the th one of the things I did want to talk about that was one of the first times I saw you in Raw was when you guys were on tour with uh, the Dreaming and El Nino, and mm -hmm. you guys played a place called the Scout Bar in Houston. And I think I had heard of you guys before, like I had heard a couple of songs and stuff. But when I saw you live, I like went home and I told my buddy Matt, I was like, "Okay, here we go. Here's the CDs. These are the things <laughs> we need to listen to now." And um, what, what what was it like touring? Um, in that particular tour, because this, you know, this podcast, we do talk about touring and tour stories. Was that yeah. fun? Did y'all all tour together on like the same bus? Did y'all have separate vans? Um, we all had our own buses. Well, the, the Dreaming were in a van. Um, but then, yeah, there was that was actually a pretty big tour. There was four buses and a truck. 
Was it Godhead on there? Was it Godhead? Yeah, Godhead was on there as yeah. well. Yeah, it was it was El Nino Us, Godhead, and the Dreaming. Yeah, and that was two thousand and six, wow. I believe. Yeah, yeah, time yeah. Flies, and that was that, that was a that was a good tour in in the middle of uh, in in the middle of like a almost a decade of touring with Ra. So it's a little hazy. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But I remember uh, I remember that tour because we were. Um, we were all kind of courting the same exact label, and that, that was the label to put it on. Cement Shoes um, was the name of the label, and it was aptly named because they totally sank. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't love I mean, I get it, though. Um, right on. Do you have any uh, crazy stories from that? Like, did you guys, it was like, you know how when you go on tour, you get on your bus, you end up having tour rituals. Certain people do certain things after a show, like, so like somebody will go to the back, maybe a couple people go to the, the back. Um, wow. Chamber, not chamber, back, back uh, lounge. lounge, back lounge and hang out. Some people go right to their bunk and read. Some people stay up front and party. Do you guys have any like specific crazy rituals like that? Did you play cards afterwards or, you know, um, let me see. Uh, Jaeger and crown. I think that's the one. <laughs> That's those the, those that's... were our after and before show. Well, Crown was always after. I don't think it was before. Jaeger was before and Jaeger after. Was yeah, that, was... that was a little bit of crazy period of time. Um, so yeah, we generally do the show and then um, whatever deb- debauchery that came up up till about four in the morning till the bus rolled and then sleep to make it to the next city. That's right. Did you guys have uh, your own text or did you were you setting up your own stuff? Oh, we had our own text. Yeah, of course always. you did. Yeah. Yeah, had to. That's why it was so much easier. See, I was a tech for King's X for a long time. It was still mm. a lot of fun because you'd stay up and party with the band. The problem was. That's a hard had, gig. Yeah. The problem was had, you're, you're getting out of your bunk like four hours before the band wakes up. Right. And you're like, like trying oh, to be quiet. Yeah. Some of those load ins <laughs> at like one. Some of them when you're like doing a festival load ins at like 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. Yeah. yeah. We played a festival okay. in Mount Clemens, Michigan. And it was like, because it was King's X, they had all of these like bands that like King's X didn't really fit in with, but they kind of did because King's X came in at that like end of hair metal, beginning of grunge thing. Mm-hmm. So they'd be like Knight Rider would be there, you know, and like we're setting up for all this festival. Trickster. All these... Trickster was there. I mean, like there's a whole bunch you know, of bands. Did you know that PJ Farley from Trickster is the bass player from Ra as well? I did not know that. Yep. PJ Farley oh, from Trickster is the bass player from Ra and now also the bass player from Fuzzy. Fozzie, no way. That's so cool. Yeah. I haven't seen Fozzie live right. yet. Andy's Andy's always playing with Eric Martin. Um, okay. Eric, yeah, Mr. Big. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Mr. Big. Um, We're always doing shows together. Fuck. But yeah, PJ's a band whore. But yeah, band he's been, been in Raw since um, since very, very early 2003. We've Mr. Big. On the road. I had Billy, Billy Sheehan on the show not too Sheehan on oh, the nice. show not too long ago. I, I said his name wrong, though. I was like, welcome to the show, Billy Sheehan. He was like, it's Sheehan. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. I messed this up right at the beginning. <laughs> but it smelled my, uh, Sheehan. My 14-year-old self would have freaked out. Eat him and yeah. smile. Yeah, dude. I, I like he was, he was I mean, super... there's a lot more than that, but that's the one for me that I absolutely loved that album back in the day. He That guy was a super, he was super nice and super polite. He was like on my third or fourth episode ever. And so he was, I was like, I mean, more new than I'm. This is only episode like 40 four or something 43 or something like that so we're still new but he was he was gracious but i made his eyes roll a couple of times which was pretty funny 
<laughs> he was like, I was in a band. It was pretty, you know, our band's pretty clean living. And I was talking about Mike Portnoy and Mike Portnoy, a story where Mike Portnoy runs backstage. I'm in King's X dressing room. He flings the door open. He's like, where's Doug? I was like, he's in the shower. He was like, tell him I need some weed. And then he left. <laughs> and, and, and then that was right after Billy Sheehan said, yeah, all the bands I've been in have been pretty clean. It's like, well, whoops. Weed's man. clean. Weed's, that's, <laughs> I think so too. Um, dude, that's so, that's so much fun. Um, so one of the things that I would do before I would do any shows was Jaeger and Budweiser when in my 20s, when you could mm. handle it. And that was my pre-show thing before I jump on the bass, be like, okay, I got to have shot of Jaeger, drink a beer, and then another beer for stage. And then I could play the whole show and everything would be fine. But then after the show, it was like, you're already pre-lit to, to go have fun and do stuff. But I never had at my band, I never had to have techs. We were our own techs. So same thing, whether it was for King's X or whatever, somebody's driving all night. Somebody's got to get to the gig. Somebody's unloading early. And then somehow in your twenties, you can just keep doing this yeah. night after night. And it's, yeah, super- well, that's so if you want to talk about that ritual, yeah. I guess in 2002, when raw first hit, I was, you know, I was really broke before then because all my life and everything went towards music and it didn't yeah. pay anything up until that point. So I was a super lightweight. So I'd have like, like one beer before the show, <laughs> but as time went on, you know, as the tour goes on, that goes to like, that goes to like a few beers and a couple shots. And yeah. it, that, that's basically what it grew to. But, you know, as, as years go on, you know, you, uh, <laughs> that pre pre ritual goes and the Jaeger was necessary. I remember yeah. <laughs> one time, and this is, this is a, I don't, I don't think this was, I don't know what tour this was on. It was, it's, it's all blurry, but I, I remember one time we needed the Jaeger so bad and we didn't have any, we're like, ah, where's the Jaeger? So PJ's like, Oh yeah, there's a there's a bottle of Jaeger in the trailer. So we go in the trailer, <laughs> open up the cooler, which is like we're I think we're in Texas or somewhere in the south. So the cooler is like full of hot water, and there's like a mayonnaise jar that had leaked. So we have this hot Jaeger covered in warm mayonnaise, and we're pulling swigs off that. That was that was a high point of my writing. Oh my gosh, that's so funny, dude. There's stuff <laughs> like that with. Uh, there's there's so many times when stuff's like that happened in, in Europe bef- when we had one of the double decker buses over there, but it, it had a fridge, but it was a tiny fridge, but there was an ice box kind of thing off to the side. Mm. And it was all mostly an American crew, but some Germans were on there too. But like the, um, nobody kept up with it, but people were stuffing bologna and things in there. <laughs> After a few days in uh, Germany in like, I don't know, you know, August, it still gets pretty hot there. And that box had melted and somebody opened it up and we couldn't get the bus to stop stinking for the next three weeks. There's just no way. There's no amount of bleach that could get rid of that (laughs) smell. Um, Right on, man, dude, this is so great. So your journey, your journey is taking you, you know, you're still in that band. That's going to be one of my, that was one of my questions. You got new music coming out or anything. You guys just still play whenever. I, last time I talked to the Hodge like a month ago, um, he was talking about tracking a couple new songs, no new album, but maybe some maybe some single type things. Okay. But yeah, we we released an album in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. I can't even remember. Intercorrupted, and I think that was our best album to yeah, date. Right on, right I, on, man. I, I you know I think we we nailed it with that album. Everybody, I heard a, I heard a couple songs off of it, and we all got to shine on on that album in our own way. You know, because sure. it's it's Rasa. There's 
there's poppy the little bit of poppy style songs in there as well but there's also some heavy songs and in raw like in some of the pre and maybe in this one too but like when so like i how do i pose this question so like in your sound healing journey when you use everything you use the a whole we're going to get into the gear part of that too but you use you know the the bowls you use a keyboard you use microphones you probably use all kinds of stuff but in the raw albums when you hear some of the more i don't know egyptian sounding vocals is that you or is that somebody oh, else that's is yeah. it really okay yeah. I, I you do I you do that stuff really good albums. too what's that i said you do that type of stuff pretty cool too you know I can sing all right, but Sahaj, in in my opinion, and maybe I'm biased, but I don't even think so. He's he's one of the best vocalists in rock in, in the in the past in the past twenty years from from that era, and he's he's still got his voice. He's still killing it. Yeah, right. On. And that's a that's a thing. That's a thing that it goes after some time. Doug from Kings X, he's having the other two guys sing more on there. Mm. They just released a new album, and uh, Doug's seventy three, and so he's like. I can't hit that. Yeah. Like that crazy yeah. stuff, you know, the stuff that he could hit. He's like, I got to take a step back from it. I mean, but that's really good that his voice is still uh, in control. Yeah. He's yeah. still got it. And to be honest, I, I never, I, I mean, I, I always sing background in Rob, but just the easy stuff, because a lot of the stuff I'm playing on guitar um, is complicated enough that it's a pain in the ass to sing and play. I tried as I, as I got to be a better, vo better vocalist, I tried, but I'd, but it got to be the point where I'd like have to relearn all the raw songs in that way. And I was, I was like, wow, we don't tour enough for that. <laughs> yeah. I was never, I, I was never very good. I, I could do backups. That's probably all you really wanted a quick, mm -hmm. Hey, or a, yeah, or something from me. Cause I would lose. I was just never good at it for, I never practiced it enough. I would, I would lose concentration on where I was. We'd be over here and I'd still be over here. And you could tell. Um, yeah. One of the things I wanted to talk about is your transition or your inclusion of the new sound healing journey. And like, what, what led you to that? And what was something, you know, what was the reason that uh, even occurred in the first place? Um, it was totally by accident, completely okay. by accident. So Ross stopped touring. The first time we stopped touring was in like 2000, the end of 2009 or something like that. And um, I, uh, I moved up to Maine. And at the time, I also um, started working with a vocal coach, or I had been for, for a little while already. Are, are you familiar with Jamie Vendera? Why does that sound so familiar? Because he's like everybody's vocal coach. Okay, uh, that's right. James Labrie to, to like so many people. Every It seems like every band now uses Jamie because he's, he's definitely made a name for himself. But he, he's been a good friend of mine for, uh, for years. He used to always come to the Raw shows, and him and I really connected um we've always kept in touch and we actually launched a company together called um at first it was rock doctors and then rock source 360 in 2009 and 10 and 11 it was live maybe started in 2008 and we had all different kinds of people teaching on there from the guys from shadows fall and um wow. david, david ellison was on there and mangini was on there mike mangini nice. and and uh, a ton of people and it was such a great idea but in 2009 nobody wanted to do online lessons <laughs> really yeah yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, that's, and that's when i started that's when i started teaching online but um at that same time you know rob wasn't touring and i was like i, I was talking to jamie and i was like i think i, I want to you know start another band do you have any students that are like really good because i need to find a singer and he's like i'm going to teach you how to sing 
And I was like, yeah, sure, dude. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That'll so I, I started working with him and, um, and started uh, using my voice. And I, I, I did start a band um, called the hollow glow that, that released a few albums um, where, you know, we were a trio. I, I sang and played guitar and we had bass and drums and that was cool, but it was just basically like facing fears and, and having fun because I was mortified of being a lead singer, but that kind <laughs> of like opened up. Um, I don't know, starting to use my voice in that way, like started to change me a little bit. Also in that time, I, uh, I, I kind of completely stopped drinking when it, cause the only, the only time I ever drank was when I was touring, yeah. you know, I would, I would literally only drink for work. <laughs> if I had a day off, I wouldn't drink. <laughs> it was like, well, yeah. it was like part of my job. <laughs> um, Interesting. But, that's cool. Well, that's totally, good. Yeah. I totally stopped drinking. And um, when I moved to Maine and started practicing meditation and just getting out into the woods a lot. And I found myself at a, um, like a sound healing event with singing bowls sometime. It, it, I think it was in 2012. And I was just like, I, I was instantly ca totally captivated by the singing bowl. I was like, what the hell is making that sound? Yeah. Um, Cause the first time I, I, I actually heard them. It wasn't actually like at an event that I went to for the singing bowls. Someone was playing the bowls as we were moving into a small auditorium for some kind of thing. And it was just like, the, the sound of the singing bowl just like permeated the whole room. It was so potent. And I was like totally drawn to them. I had to go and check it out and ask what they were. And um, shortly after that, like probably within less than a month, I went to um, an event that was just singing bowls that the same person was putting on. Excuse me. And yeah, I just instantly excuse me, instantly loved the bowls. There was something about them that is is so powerful, just able to shut down your brain and just get totally relaxed and, and so much more than that. But I was always curious what it would be like to sing with singing bowls. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I went to some more, um, some more events over the years, but in 2014, I decided to uh, get a bowl and bring it home and sing with it and see what it would be like. And it was cool. So like a couple of weeks later, I had eight more. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, um, I never intended on doing it for anybody. It was just like became my own practice. I would do it every morning for 20 minutes to three hours sometimes. It, Cause if, if I'm not paying attention to the time, like three hours can go by and they'll feel like it'll feel like 20 to 30 minutes. Wow. Um, and people, you know, people started telling me that, um, I should do sound healing. And I was like, nah, I don't see it. I just, you know, I'm just doing it for myself. Yeah. And, um, then it wasn't until 2016 that I, so after, after raw and during raw and before raw, I've always taught guitar, but after raw, I was, I was literally teaching two days a week from from 2009 when i launched um rock source 360 with jamie and, and a couple other people um to today i've always taught guitar two days a week and um all of a sudden at one point in the fall of 2016 all of my lessons dried up like and i have a lot of my students stick with me for years so it was right. really really weird the way it all kind of happened at once very um 
definitely feeling like I was pushed in retrospect, pushed by the universe into doing sound healing because I was being freaking stubborn. Um, <laughs> they all dried up at once. And I, you know, I had been doing some like traditional sound bath kind of sound healing stuff where I was just doing a, doing a gig here and there where I'd go and just play the bowls and keep my mouth shut. Um, but I kept getting offers to do more gigs and I had no students at that point. So, so I was like, all right, I'm going to actually try this and see what it's like. So I ended up trying to see to see what it would be like actually singing with the bowls to do it in the way that I was doing it at home is what I mean. Um, so I, I ended up booking, I think, three events over the course of a couple weeks, just because I knew if I only did it once and it sucked, I would never do it again. So I gave myself a good shot and I, I did them all and they went phenomenally well. And one of those was like a wellness expo kind of thing where they have like crystal vendors and all that. Yeah, and yeah. from that, I was offered a bunch of other gigs from people that were vendors there. And it literally became what I was doing for a living. My main source of income, which I suppose wasn't that hard to do at that time, <laughs> but if, um, in a matter of like a month and I had in like three months, I had a full schedule Wow! and it just, just kept building. And from 2016 to right up until 2020, when it was impossible to do it, I was doing like um, eight to 10, sometimes 12 sound healing events per month and traveling all over New England and down the coast. Cause that was when I was living in Maine at the time, but I, I would yeah. go down the coast into Virginia and Asheville, North Carolina and all that stuff. Dude, that's so yeah. Freaking I, I awesome. never, I never meant to do it. It was, it was a complete accident. I think that sometimes that's the best things in life. Like things yeah. come to you or, or the ones that like, I don't know if you believe in manifesting and stuff, like sometimes the ones that you manifest are really cool too. Cause you, I didn't, I didn't really ever necessarily believe in manifesting or anything like that, but I always knew in my head I was going to be in a band. I was going to go on tour. I knew it was going to happen. I just knew it and it happened. Or you're like, yeah. I, then I knew I was going to get the job I currently have now. And it happened. I don't know. It's very, life is super interesting and I'm still trying to figure it all out. But yep. speaking of the sound healing stuff, speaking of the no drinking thing, I'm on the uh, sober October bandwagon uh, as we speak. So I'm not drinking myself either, at least for now. And um, I'm like, what, what do I, what, what do I do? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was me in 2009 when I first quit drinking. You're like, well, what do I do now? So I was like, I'm oh, cool. I, I have the podcast. Cool. That's awesome. It's my, one of my favorite hobbies and things to do. And cool. I have work. That's great. And cool. I play guitar and stuff, but then it's like, all right, now what, what, where am I going? And I was wondering how sound healing might give or meditation or anything like that might give me um, some type of like something. Cause I feel like something's missing. And the thing that's missing is just at the end of the day, cracking a beer or two and watching youtube and so since i'm not going to do that as much anymore oh well no beer for sure and i was like i wonder how when you go out and you teach people or show people the sound healing things i've heard your meditation ones which are fantastic by the way like and you. you have a you have a 90 minute one that just came out not too long ago i haven't heard yet but i'm interested in uh, I, I do two 90 minute events per month so Okay. Well, I just saw it pop up in my, in my feed and I was like, wow, 90 minutes. Okay, sweet. Um, but what do you think, what would you suggest for somebody just starting off on the uh, sober train as far as like something to do with the sound healing lit or meditation work there or. Yeah. Follow, follow whatever interests you. Um, yeah. 
that's that's where it led me, you know, because I, I quit drinking for the first time in 2009. I, like I went nine months straight without drinking. And then I would have a couple drinks every now and then until um, in 2012. I uh, it was actually New Year's Eve 2012. I had a sip of champagne and I just know that was the last time I had a drink for yeah. seven whole years without a drop of alcohol and then uh, we did Shiprocked with Ra in very early 2020. And I was in Mexico and I had a couple of margaritas and that was freaking amazing. No regrets. No regrets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was really weird at first going out, um, going to see shows. And like, I would like end up drinking like five waters just out of like needing a nervous habit. Like if you quit yeah. smoking, and you don't know what to do with your hand. Like right. I go out to a show and I, I get home and I'd have to pee all night. Yeah. <laughs> I, go and, I go and drink like five waters. Um, I, I went and saw Stabbing Westward the other day and uh, well, I guess it's been six months or so now, but I went and saw them and, and I went, I went, I knew I, I had to drive myself to the scout bar. So same place y'all played, uh, drove, it was an hour away. I knew I had to drive back. And I was, I remember being there like, how do you enjoy a show without alcohol? This is weird. Cause you know, I'm normally like being up there and rocking, but then I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, when you were a kid, you didn't have alcohol and you went to all these yeah. shows. And I was like, well, just, it's your, one of your favorite bands just go up there and have fun. And I was like, oh my God, I'm having yeah, fun it is, it is weird at first. Cause it was, for me, it was totally a crutch. Cause I'm, I'm, kind, I'm, a, I'm a bit of an introvert and yeah. I'm happy about it. I, I have no, no regrets whatsoever, but yeah. to go out and, you know, get subjected to meet and greets and meeting hundreds of people every night and being in front of thousands of people, you know, it was way easier with a buzz on. So Absolutely. when I stopped drinking, it was, it was like, yeah, it was challenging. Like that was like my social crutch. I had to get used to doing things sober, like going to shows yeah. or even just like going out with people, going on a date, whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that was my, uh, my my social lubrication um, i think i think that's a good point like because every time i'd ever play in a sh played a show and it, it was it goes back to a dime bag quote or something you know like dime bag was always like well before i get out there you know huge play in front of in an arena full of people and he's been doing it for years and he's still like i gotta have you know i gotta have my drink or whatever before he goes out there and i remembered thinking in my head yeah. I was like, oh yeah that'll make this easier and if i go back and watch some of the shows where i was a little tipsy I was fantastic. <laughs> and then like and maybe yeah. I mean and like you're like, man, I mean, not drunk shows, but the ones where you just have just enough buzz to where you're like, I'm gonna jump off that uh SVT tonight. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah. And that was what I was talking about about the uh starts off with one beer and then eventually it's like, you know, I have I have three beers and three shots before I go on stage to get to that same point. Right. <laughs> after after years and years of touring. But um, but yeah. So I did my, so Ra like stopped touring sometime in 2009 and um, didn't tour again until 2014 and 2014, I did my first ever to sober tour. Okay. And that was so fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> that like, was that like, okay, show's over, go to your bunk or like sit there and watch the other dudes have fun or like how yeah it's just well you know because yeah when you you realize when you're sober you're just kind of trapped on a tube yeah basically what a tour bus is you're, you're trapped on a tube and you know, like you're kind of tethered to that you can only go so far um right. yeah it was front it was lounge bunk. back lounge bunk yeah <laughs> maybe you um, have a shower 
if you're lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. And since then, I've I've always toured sober. Well, cool. Yeah. Now you got to figure it out, though. Now yeah. you know what you like to do. So, like the guys, the the guys that I would tour with when they were sober, they had specific things. They're like in the back lounge playing video games or playing cards up front or doing whatever. And then they would always the people that were partying, you know, would all, it would always rotate. Either you're in the front lounge or you're in the back lounge. Um, and then some some people when people would go sober, it was it. It's like sober tour, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> the, especially for the roadies, you know, you're like, okay, yeah. <clears throat> um, hey, J Rab, let's go to the bar, you know, and we would be at the bar until it was, bus calls at 3 a.m. and you're like, okay, shh, you know, fucking around with your keys and the tour bus trying to get it open and trying to get in your crawl in your bunk. My bunk was always on the top, so I'm putting my foot <laughs> in the drummer's, you know thing to try to get up there and and you know what your feet smell like after you've been on tour they don't smell that great you know what i mean and so <laughs> kind of like not the best that that bunk environment depending on what kind of tour bus you have can be really funky yeah it could uh, smell a lot like feet and some other stuff and some other stuff uh wanna, <laughs> okay so since i like talking about gear and we've been talking about touring a little bit i want to talk I want to talk about specifically your sound uh, setup with your, with your, with the bowls and everything. Cause every time I've seen it, I've seen it a little bit different. I've seen you with keyboards. I've seen you with like a million bowls. I've seen you with some chimes and stuff. And what's your, like your main, your main go-to. Cause obviously your setup could grow like Neil Pert's drum set. I'm sure, you know, like it could get bigger mm. and bigger or smaller, but like what's your main go-to and why? Well, so for in-person events, so all the way up until 2020, I, all my events were in person. I didn't do anything online. I just use, I don't use any gear at all. No microphone, no amplification, just the singing bowls, sofagia tubes, tincture cymbals, and voice and whatever else, sometimes some drums and chimes. Um, but when the world shut down, I had been wanting to do something online for, for, for probably years at that point. Um, just to incorporate other elements. And um, I never did that in person because I, you know, I already had enough stuff to look around (laughs) (laughs) more out of laziness. Um, So yeah, when when that, when I, when I started doing online events in, in the spring of 2020, I immediately knew I wanted binaural beats um, because I'd, I'd always wanted that in, in, uh, in my events. So um, so I ended up buying a, and I wish I could move my camera over there, but that one's locked in place. Yeah. Um, I um, I bought like a mixing board. So I, and I, you know, I, I put together binaural beats and I bought a couple keyboards at the same time, or I, I started with just keyboards. I, I had a yeah. couple keyboards that I had um, and quickly replaced those. And yeah, th- these days I'm running... In my main setup, I'm running that mixing board, one, two, three, four keyboards, um, one of the beat pad things. Yeah, oh yeah. And um what and kind of keyboards are they like just MIDI? Are they just MIDI controllers or are they yeah, like, just MIDI controllers? Okay, yep. right on. Like some, okay, some neck or whatever. Um yeah, some uh Aturia and okay. Nectar. I think okay. I have a couple of each over there. Right on. Yeah, I have one over here too. That's the same. But yeah, I have like three little ones just because they. I have so many bowls. I have to figure out 
where to put them. Then I have a big one on the side. I got this cute little one right here. This little yeah, I I have one that size, but it's by Nectar that sits right in front of me. Okay, in back in back of my front bowl. They're handy as fuck. And like when you get really used to being able to switch the, you know, switch where you're, where you're at. Cause that was the thing that threw me off at first. Cause all the keyboards yeah. I'd ever had were full, you know, full size. And then you get this little tiny chunk and then you realize, well, all I got to do is press this button or that button. <laughs> the cord doesn't reach. Yeah. I pulled mine out. Oh, yep. There it is. I've seen those before. I've never. Yeah. I've I have two of those. Them. I love them. Okay. Right on. Nectar. Is that what it's called? Yeah. That one's a, um, that's not my smallest one. That's the oh. Atoria Micro Lab. I'm always yeah. into this stuff. I'm I have two of those. One that lives on the desk and one that's that's hardwired over, over on the other side. And then I have a that's a two octave keyboard. And then I have a two and a half octave keyboard over there as well. I wish I could move my camera. Um, and then a little one like you have that's made by Nectar that just just like tucks up in front of my seat. Um, and then the I have a a 64 or whatever key oh cool it's a nectar yeah right and panorama panadora pandora pan panorama i don't remember something like that so when you're doing when you're doing your your stuff that uh is for the internet and <clears throat> like what effects what are when you're going through your microphone and stuff like obviously you got a lot of reverb in there you know maybe yeah, um, yeah. A little bit. And I'm using uh, a Townsend Sphere for the microphone on that setup. If you're familiar okay. with that, great. Heard of it. It's set up in uh, stereo, so that I actually, you know, you can hear like the Ooh, spatial setup of the bowls. And if I move around, because all the online events, the online events are completely designed for headphones. You know, you, with binaural beats, you kind of need headphones. And then I have um, stereo wideners and all the pads, so they're kind of pushed off to the side, so the voice can kind of sit in the middle, and the bowls can kind of fill it in. And the whole thing is is uh, designed for headphones, dude. I love that. That is and so on, cool. And on my my vocal chain, my well, my microphone chain, because I only have one microphone for the bowls and the voice, is pretty complicated. I actually, um, I released an album in 2019, um, October of 2019, called "Becoming Light," which was grew out of the sound healing stuff, and um, which the album did really well. Um, super super grateful that debuted at number six on the new age billboard chart and got airplay airplay all over the world but that's a, that's a side note that's um, awesome because when i when i went to have to set up my vocal chain for the online stuff what i did was i i took one of those tracks opened it up deleted where i didn't need it and kind of built my vocal chain out of that so i have oh, cool. a few different reverbs and uh, a few different eqs and com and compressors and um a little bit of delay and a, and just a whole bunch of stuff and i that was how i started and from there i fine-tuned it many 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 times over the years <clears throat> to grow so, that's, so you end up like what i do for the podcast is i have well i've been working on it but i like have my go-to's like okay okay he was using a decent mic cool we're gonna drop this in it and to, oh yeah that actually kind of works and you just barely tweak the eq over here and boom you're done oh we're gonna do a high a high pass because his audio was really muffy or something and we're picking back <laughs> up but it's easy you can just drop it in there so are you saying that's kind of like you're you kind of have stuff that you've been tweaking that you can literally just drop in and yeah yeah like going. i literally if from one event to the next i i run my live streaming events through cubase yeah okay and um from one event to the next i usually don't tweak a lot um 
I'll sit down some days. I like, I, I really feel like I need to do this or that. And I'll sit down and I'll like redo a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, sometimes I change out what reverbs I'm using or things like that. But for usually for my live events, all I do is just take the event I, I was at last time, duplicate it and delete everything and start over, you know, delete all the audio tracks that are recorded. Cause I always record, right, right. My, I always record my live streams as well. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, that's fucking cool. Um, so yeah, kind of working with templates. Okay. Right on. Okay. Moving, moving on into gear. Well, have you ever used anything like really strange, maybe just at the house, like where you're experimenting, like, have you ever like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to put distortion all over this thing, all over this sound bowl or something. Have you ever tried? I mean, I've, I've played around with lots of effects on all the stuff. If if you're familiar with the earlier stuff in Raw, there was a lot of explore, exploratory effects. Oh, yeah. um, but with the singing bowls, yeah, I mean, I've, I've tried, I've, I've tried a lot of different things like using, um, I can't, it's a plugin Alliance plugin that, you can really like blow out the bottom end that blowout's not the right word, but make it so that when you, when you hit a certain threshold uh, frequency wise, you can get like a sub sound underneath it. Oh, cool. And um, I was using that for a little while when I was singing just to really fill in the sound. Cause it would only be like from, from like here down. So when I'm yeah. singing really low, it would fill it in. Cause I, okay. I, sometimes I sing really low in that stuff. Um, so I've played around with that. I've probably played around with putting a light, light distortion on, on that stuff, at least at some point, because there was a time when I put, you know, the right kind of distortion on everything, <laughs> right? Distortion goes on everything. It does crank it up, turn it up louder. <laughs> well, back in the, back when I first started playing, uh, we, I, like I started playing in a thrash metal band. It was my very first band. We wanted to be Metallica and, you know, so we, we did, and we used whatever we could afford, which wasn't much like 25 watt solid state crate amps. And you're like, how do we oh, make yeah. this? I had one of those forever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how do we make this loud enough to play with his drums? You know, <laughs> and you'd figure it out. You'd add extra it was it was a whole blow things up blue smoke would come out of the back of stuff it was a whole lot of fun but yeah. our thing was hook up the old grunge pedal the old dod grunge pedal and crank everything all the way up then you know crank everything up on the crate and then hit the oh you're gonna play a solo cool they have this really cool chorus button then hit that but we didn't have any gate so it just screamed at us the whole time you know no amount of swelling the volume knob could fix it and that was the those were yeah. the good old days yeah, the crate practice amp. There, there was one of those that lived on the raw tour bus for for ages. Dude, there. I mean, they were and great. I, I actually just before moving to Georgia, I I gave it to someone that I sold the guitar to because they didn't have an amp. Oh, that's how I got mine. I got like my buddy was like, "Here, here you go." And then in the back of it, he had that stupid purple grunge pedal that he forgot it was in there. And I was like, "Did you want this back?" He's like, "Nah, you can have it." And that's, I mean, that's how. 14 year old Ryan started learning to make a lot of noise yeah. and piss it, piss off the old parents. I actually have a crate blue voodoo right there. I think that's one of the first ones where it was like half solid state, half tube. Like it's mm. a really weird. Cause they had before that crate had the Excalibur and it was all solid state. It was all solid state head. And that thing, I thought that was so cool as a teenager, you know, and then Doug got this as like a promo 
And I was playing guitars in his garage one day or playing amps in his garage one day. Cause he just got all these extra amps, you know, companies are here, try out our stuff. And I tried out this Marshall 6,100 anniversary series. I remember it was purple and it was fucking phenomenal. It's the best. I still, to this <laughs> day, I know where it is too. Ty Tabor. I, I'm kind of, I'm going to buy it from you, but like, uh, I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Doug, can I like borrow this? He's like, no, that's ties. You can't borrow that. He goes, but you can borrow that one. And 23, four years later, it's, I still have it, <laughs> but thanks Doug. If you want it back, it needs a tube job. Um, cool, man. So yeah, gear with uh, raw, what was, what I, or I know I'm sure it's evolved over the years, but like Let's, guitar yeah, evolved, evolved more so recently, but for many years, we pretty much used the same exact setup, like okay. from, like from 2002, through that 2014 tour, we used um, dual rectifiers. We used dual rectifiers, you know, Mesa head, Mesa cab oh, yeah. for years. And we were using the um, the Boss GT series pedals. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right on. You can't go yeah. wrong there. Yeah. And you literally use that. You know, I, I went through like the Boss GT3 to GT6 to GT whatever the hell I have. I, I think I still have them all in a suitcase in my garage. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And yeah, that was, it was, it was just a, a very simple setup. But then last time we toured, we were using the, um, the line six helix. Okay. And really? yeah. And it, no, no amp at all on stage yeah. and all the pro all the program changes. And, you know, I changed patches a freaking lot in raw, like yeah. every song, at least, at least it seems like a dozen times, all the program changes were built into the system so i didn't have to hit any buttons whoa at, at first i was like i don't that's like that was like that's like 75 percent of my stage show <laughs> yeah you're like dancing around tapping and around. I was like, this is gonna be weird awesome oh wow. so cool to not hit any buttons the only thing i had on the front of the stage was um a wah pedal and a whammy pedal wow i was talking to andy black sugar the other day he plays guitar in blondie and uh kmfdm and you know if you can imagine kmfdm there's sounds all over the place and he was talking about something similar i don't think it was the line six it might have been and i'll go back and watch the episode and correct myself on it but he was saying something similar like he's just got a certain expression pedal that he uses and he uses the tone knob and the expression pedal and but the tone knob is no longer a tone knob it controls the expression pedal somehow oh interesting blue he plays sully guitars blew my fucking mind i was like what um and hit the he, he explains it pretty cool so uh when you guys were out there doing the original touring did you use a certain type of guitar were you endorsed by anybody there was there something you just love yeah we've been with esp guitars um oh, that's all, right. since since 2002 to to present, I think they still endorse Ra. I haven't uh, yeah. really received any guitars from them in like a decade, personally. Yeah, but, but... I, I have. Well, I don't have many. I actually have. That's a, that's a universe. It's a mirror image. That's a universe that I've had since I was fourteen. Oh, and that's, that's so cool. And the one right there is an S series Ibanez that I've that I've had since I was like twelve. But nice. They just happen to be hanging there. I've had many many ESPs over the years and. Most of them are, are totally dead and smashed, but <laughs> yeah, there's a, a couple, a couple of these are, are not in working order and that's why they're always just here, you know, <laughs> like yeah. they've been like through the stuff. Right 
they don't they really need well i think every single one of my guitars really needs a tune-up yeah oh yeah this this razor this razor back right here it it looks pretty but it will not work i mean i need i need yeah. it needs a loose a proper one not even a guitar tech knows how to fix this um yeah what so esp man dude, I, I think you and me talked about this on an uh on an episode briefly with uh brandon on expanding reality but I've never had one. I've always wanted one. And that's, I mean, I've never even played one. I played the LTDs. Now that's the Korean version, um, hmm. which that's I hear, I hear they're, I hear they're like, just, they're almost as good, if not, you know, the same. I mean, the ESPs are made in Japan, right? And then LTDs are made in, in Korea, but I heard that they're even better now. I have played on an LTD, but it was in 1998 hmm. and, it was cool. Yeah, LTDs are great, and they're if you've never really played it, played it, it's virtually identical to a Schecter. Okay, I got a Schecter right. Well, actually, that that's a Schecter, and that bass is a Schecter. And at some point, I remember being told that the LTDs and the Schecters are even made in the same factory. Really, I heard that at some point, and it's va- a vague memory. You know, we're talking like over a decade ago or, yeah. or so. So I don't, okay. I don't, I don't even remember oh. the, source, the source, but I remember hearing that, but they are, they're really similar guitars. Cause I've, I've, um, I remember one time we did, we were doing a fly date and our, our, uh, our gear never, <laughs> our gear oh, never. No. So guitar center literally let us borrow guitars. <laughs> wow. <Right laughs> they on. let us go in and just take whatever guitar we wanted. That's and, so cool. Um, What'd you get? Checkers. Cause they yeah. didn't have, LTDs and they were they were they were really similar and I've you know I've played other people's sectors here and there but yeah they are really similar. Okay, right on. Well, like the thing I remember about the LTD I played and the Schecter I had the guitar that I have behind me, the LTD that I played felt thicker. Like it felt in my memory. It could have just been the model because if you take like, let me just grab one that's not on the screen. This one is, I've played Schecter's that are like, I swear it's the same exact guitar. Oh, wow. Hold on. And I don't, I don't know Schecter's, but I've had, this is, I think this is an H series and I I must've had at least like eight of these. Okay. Um, Even, even, you know, seven string versions as well, but I think it's the H series. I don't know at this point. I see that. Let me see. Oh, is that a neck through? Uh, bolt on? Nope, that's neck through. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's. Yeah. It's got a similar vibe. Yeah, this, this, I've seen Schecters that like look the same and they play the same and it's like essentially the same guitar. And I've, I've played them and been like, this is just like the guitar I have. Cause I have, I've had this, this one um, technically has only toured like twice, but I had. I had the same exact guitar that that lived on the road, and actually Sahaj loved, so we ended up swapping out guitars at one point, and he still okay. uses that for tracking, which is oh, right on this guitar, but like the the two thousand and three or four model or five model, I don't know. And those LTDs, they come stock with the EMG eighty one and eighty five, probably. I think so. Yeah. Say so. These come stock with the same the same deal. It's got uh, the same vibe, obviously not the same shape, but I can see why they might be similar in build. Yeah, they're, you know, they can be pretty different. Like, here's a guitar. I've had this one since 
since 2002. This was one of the first ones that ESP gave me. We got a like stack of them at once. Yeah. But this, I've had this guitar, and you can see I used to use it in the Hollow Glow. Oh yeah. But I've had this guitar since 2002, and um, it used to be my drop C guitar. Because let me yeah. see, let me see your bridge. It's uh, so it's, it's an cool. old, it's an old guy. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And uh, the it it's totally dead right now and needs a soldering job. Yeah, this one, <laughs> pretty much every everyone that's on display, besides the Schechter bass, because I still play that one. But yeah, pretty much everyone that's on display needs a whole lot of love. Yeah. Dude, this is so much fun. Thank you for coming on and talking gear with me. Sure. Not a lot of not a lot of guitar players guitar, like talking about gear. I got this guitar when I was fourteen. Ivan as Universe. Oh, dude, that's, look at the green. You know, because Ra, we mostly played seven strings, and we still yeah. do play seven strings except for some some drop some drop c stuff but yeah i've had this guitar i'm I'm 46 so i've had this guitar for 22 years and you can see it is it's taken a little bit of a beating it only ever toured on the first raw tour other than okay. that brought it anywhere but you know i i played it in many bars yeah it's got all the chip it's got all the road love I on it scraped off the ibanez because i was supposed to be playing esps yeah. it was my i just used it as a backup guitar like you could have just put some black gaff tape over it, but you went the whole way, scraped All it in. right off. <laughs> All in, man. I love it. That's so cool. Because, well, I tried to get an endorsement for Ibanez, but they'd only give me two guitars, which, you know, awesome. Thanks. Yeah. But we, we were rolling with, um, in the first tour, I think I was rolling with, was it six or eight guitars? Because we oh, had... Wow. And for, for years, because three or four tunings and then two guitars for each tuning. So if you broke a string, you could just grab another guitar. And that was yeah. just me. So yeah, ESP right gave us lots of guitars. So oh, thank you, so ESP. Cool. Yeah, thanks, ESP. <clears throat> if you want to hook up a lonely old podcast guy, if you can check out my information below. <laughs> the fucking dude, the uh what one of the things that I always wanted growing up, because I was such a metallic fan, was the esp explorer the one james headfield would play you know like mm. i just thought that thing was so cool and i don't know if it was just because you know it's me i'm just a kid in 1991 watching them come out and play the i know metallica fans chill out this is i like them through all of it and you guys can all <laughs> do whatever but like i watch them come out and they're, they're doing this this some song from the black album on the grammys and he comes out and he's they, the lights are coming from below him and it's all green, which is my favorite color. And, and he, Headfield looks all fucking evil to me because I'm a, I don't know, junior high. No, 91. So I'm in like elementary school. And he's like, I was like, look at that fucking evil looking guitar he has. And it was just the black ESP Explorer. And I've loved it ever since. I just think it looks so fucking cool. I, I also just like Explorers, period, whether, you know, it's ESP or who was the other one that makes it Gibson. Uh, yeah but yeah and i don't know why it just popped in my head but i totally misquoted the age of my guitar because the guitar is 32 years old not not 22 years old okay well because that guitar that guitar is 22 years old that one's 32 years old totally besides the point but i I, I feel like i need to i need to honor my universe you do absolutely 100 percent. i wish that i still had my first guitar do you remember uh the guitar brand hondo i remember yeah 
So I, my first guitar was, it totally straight up looked like a, um, a Fender Strat in body and neck, but then my head was pointy. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. And, uh, I, I vaguely remember Hondos. My first guitar was a Fender Bullet. Oh, damn. All right. Basically the Fender Squire yeah. before they made Fender Squires. It was like a so cheap cool. Fender Stratty guitar. Yeah. After that, I was getting Jackson Dinkies. You remember the Jackson Dinkies? Like yeah, I really first. wanted one of those when I was when I was 14 and I was I was trying out a bunch, but then I I ended up getting the universe. Did you have did you on your side of the world? Did you guys have Mars music? Um, I think there was one in in uh, in Boston. Um, I think that's I think that was Mars. Probably. It was yeah. Big. Did you ever go? I'm sure I did. Yeah, I, I, I went to Berkeley in Boston and I I. I vaguely, if, if it was a Mars, um, I, I vaguely remember it, but that was also, you know, my friend Jess lives, uh, up there and he, he teaches at Berkeley and I got, I went nice. King's X went up there and we played some venue afterwards. Jess was, well, there's been a couple of times, but he's come and grabbed me and I've been fucking drunk in Boston, man, like <laughs> stumbling around, like where are we going next? He would take, he makes, he has a band called Drev where he, it's just all electronic music. He does it all himself. He's his own Trent Reznor kind of thing. And very good stuff. But I love that town. That town's super fun. I mean, at least to visit, I don't know what it's like to live there. Yeah. Just don't drive. Just don't drive. Cause I think they, I think the story is that they just paved the cow paths. So all the streets are like, <laughs> it's not like a normal city. Um, Okay, cool, man, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'm going to move into the beyond section, which is just kind of the ending section of our stuff. And I like to ask every guest that comes on, have you ever seen an alien, a ghost, or do you know Bigfoot? I've never hung out with Bigfoot personally. Okay. Um, All right. Damn. I'm going to meet somebody who has one day. I have, I have seen some strange lights in the sky. Okay. And I, I totally believe it? in aliens. Right. I don't on, me too. Oh, ghosts. Oh, ghosts. Uh, I mean, I used to watch a lot of ghost hunters back, you know, yeah. 20 years ago. Did, didn't everybody? I, I totally believe in ghosts, residual energy, and then, you know, maybe even some some other entities besides that. But definitely believe in residual en energy sticking around and kind of like timelines overlapping a little bit. So you get that haunting kind of thing, but it's really just an overlapping of, um, yeah. of timelines. Um, aliens, absolutely. I, you know, I don't know that they are necessarily what we think they are, um, sure. because, because of our version of 3d reality, I think is, is a very thin sliver of what's available to us. So there's, there's more multidimensional beings than, than interdimensional beings, more multidimensional than, yeah. than, uh, than in, in our singular universe. One of the things I was th been thinking about recently is that like, okay, so the multiverse or type of theory, but also like, well, what if they're just us from the future? <laughs> like, and they just are yeah. back They're Like we, they, they no longer can breed. So they're doing all the weird funky stuff to your butt, you know? And, uh, yeah. You know, uh, that's, I that's mean, what Bashar talks about that. The, the Elahani were, were created from the greys who were future humans who could no longer procreate. They came and took, the uh dna from humans and created a hybrid race which are the elahani and then a whole bunch of other stuff which if you're familiar with bashar bashar he's he's very interesting um these days whenever i go on tiktok like every second video is bashar because I, I guess i i, I think i know i think i know exactly what you're talking about but i'm gonna write that down anyway just so i can check because i'm i'm a recent 
uh, newbie to TikTok, sort of, at least on the 13 podcast. And hmm. uh, I find all kinds of stuff. But I made back in the day before TikTok was called TikTok, it was called music.ly, like musically. Really? Yes, yeah, word of God. But this, right. somebody came in and rebranded it. But I have an account or I have an account that's on TikTok now. That's my personal account. But like in 2017, it was like the trend on there was to like sing other people's music and like make your own like music video to it or whatever. That was like brand new. And so I'm doing a bunch of King's X songs, some Cradle of Filth songs, like just <laughs> trying to be all cool. And uh, then it just, I don't know. Then it felt weird. To, it, they just didn't have regulations on it back then. So I i bailed and then it became TikTok. They rebranded. That was probably the smartest thing they ever did because music.ly sounds stupid. I mean, so does TikTok, but it's stupid in the right way, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, anyway, so I'm still kind of learning all there is to know about it. So I'll check him out. Um, well, the lights, you've seen some strange lights. Let's, 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 let's discuss. Can you discuss? Yeah. I mean, just as far as seeing in physical reality, (laughs) I have, uh, I, I, the last time I saw something, it was with my partner, Janine and I, Yeah. um, I was with her. We were on the very front of the shiprock boat, um, in the, in the Gulf of Mexico. And at that point, you know, I didn't drink in 2020. So we would actually, the front of the boat was reserved for just the artists and nobody was ever there. So we, every night we would kind of just go up there and hang out by ourselves. Oh, cool. um, and we're sitting on the front of the boat and there was this light that just kept moving. It was moving and it didn't do any drastic movements, but it was, it was definitely not a star and it yeah. definitely was not a satellite. Um, so yeah, but it, you know, I've, I've seen like the CE five videos, like the, the, um, Steve, Dr. Stephen Greer, CE five yep. contact stuff. Those, some of those are really cool. They flash. Oh yeah. Stuff like that. I and, was just watching him yeah. last night on ancient aliens. <laughs> nice. They still show that show. Well, they, it's cut. They started it's releasing 412. Yeah. They started releasing, uh, new, well, not new episodes, but new to Netflix. So they, they nice. released like season five, six and seven. And then, okay. you know, Mark Ollie that came on Frequency Theorist before, uh, he's on season 19, apparently, which just came out. Yeah. But that's it like, had that's, ancient aliens. That's like the gateway drug. It is. And I got a couple. Um, I don't have any really recent ones, but I'm going to the most recent one I have was 2011 or 12. And I was driving through Texas, I was driving through the I was on the outskirts of Brady, Texas. So basically everyone who doesn't know Texas geography, I'm in the middle of freaking nowhere and it's gotten dark. It's been dark for a while and I'm driving and I see these lights off in in a field off to my side. There's nobody around. I think maybe smartphones had just come out or maybe I had a flip phone. I don't know. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I thought I'm going to take pictures of these weird lights because I couldn't tell if it was one craft or three or what, or what it was. It was just lights. I got out. I, I go to take photos and the lights start coming towards me. I'm like, that's, oh, wow. that's weird. I've seen movies like this. So I got back in my car and I start driving. And I call my wife. I'm like, there's these real, oh, she wasn't my wife at the time, my girlfriend. I was like, Hey, we're, uh, I'm seeing some weird lights on the side. And she goes, Oh, what is it? Aliens? You know? And she's making fun. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And, and then the lights start kind of going back off out into the field. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to take some photos again. So I get, cause I never got them the first time. So I get out to go do it. Well, this time it looks like there's 
three or four lights, but it looks like they're all together and they turn like this and they come back at me and I'm like, motherfucker. Like, do they know, like, am I paranoid? Am I, I'm paranoid. There's like, but they're coming straight at me. Well, I get back in the car again. I get scared. I drive a little bit more and there's a cliff over here or what feels like a cliff, like maybe a high hill. The thing comes around in front of me, still can't see what this is. Can't see a craft, just see the lights. Then the lights kind of break off and one ends up in front of me. And then a, imagine if this was red, a red light comes on, but it doesn't cast any light and then it dies off and i'm like this is it this is this is it this is where i this i I am either leaving the planet i'm gonna die i don't know light goes down and then they go back off this way and i'm shaking and i finally get to the edge of town in brady texas i mean and this is a little bit more in depth than i've told it before but like i get to the edge of town in brady texas i see i remember there's a trucker pulled over here by a state trooper and i see them flying off back in a thing I, i see the town like, okay, if I'm going to be able to take a picture of this thing, it's going to be now. I get out to go take the picture and I swear to God, they start coming back at me and I'm like, okay, fuck it. We're going through the town. I go through the town and I can see out in the field that they stayed out there and they followed me through the town. Mm-hmm. And I was so scared. I was driving too fast and I got pulled over and I got a speeding ticket. And because I've seen so many movies, I like the fucking cops in on it. He'd be like, what you speeding through here, boy? <laughs> but he didn't. He, he did ask me that in almost that exact same way. But I was like, I just, I didn't know the speed limit, sir. Sorry. Yeah, anyway. it's interesting the way you can kind of, that's what, so the one in, uh, the one in the Gulf of Mexico, it was almost like we were interacting with it in some way. Yeah. I don't remember specifically how, but same kind of thing. Like when you give it your attention, same thing with like the CE5 stuff. When you give it your attention, you can actually draw, draw it in a little bit. The one I experienced was not nearly as intense as, what you experienced, but it was definitely moving it in such a way. And I don't remember specifically how at this point, but it was like, that's what made it so weird. It was, it was kind of like we were interacting with it in a way. Yeah. And see, you had somebody with you. I had my wife on the phone with me making fun of mm. me, you know, <laughs> I'm like, like, no serious. And at one point when I still, she called me back a little while later, I'm, I'd left the town of Brady and I swear I could still see him out of the corner of my eye, but I decided I was going to not pay any attention to them anymore. She was like, are the aliens still following you? And I looked over at my corner of my eye and I just saw them way out here, kind of doing the thing. (laughs) And I was like, no, 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 they are not. (laughs) I told her later when I got to San Angelo, Texas, I was like, okay, yeah, they totally were. I'm up in the hotel. I'm fucking freaked out. Like, I don't know what (laughs) I've seen all these movies. But again, it was lights and there's military um, air bases out there all over the place. So, I mean, it could yeah, but why some... would they be interacting with you in that way? I don't know. The first, thing I, the first thing I thought of is like, it's some 20 year old with a drone and, you know, he's like, yeah, maybe and a military license. He's like, oh, dude, that guy stopped. They can see me with all their awesome military gear. Let's go fuck with him. Because why? I'm, I'm also, also yeah, but... there's, you know, government crafts that are beyond beyond secret that um they oh, can yeah. do similar things but i don't think they'd they'd acknowledge you in any kind oh, of way i would yeah i would think not well the thing the thing that freaks me out the most is like the them coming and coming towards me could have totally been coincidence it could have been part of whatever their flight path was at first but when the thing came mm-hmm. out in front of me and turned on the yeah i can only describe it as a light like is that like a salt one of the salt lamps you got in the back the orange thing yeah. so Over there 
Yeah, the that is the color. Except and it admitted no light. It was and it was circle. It was a circle. It looked like almost like a heater turned on. And it was only for a second. I didn't turn orange. My car didn't turn orange. It was just like this. And I was like, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. It's fuck. I don't know. Still don't know what it was. It was fucking weird though. Yeah. And I, I, I was visited by lights as a kid. I remember okay. very, very well. That was the, the very first time. And I was young. Yeah. I don't know how old. I, I would be taking a stab in the dark, whether I was like five or eight. I don't know. But I remember very, very well. And I wasn't scared in the least. But okay. these these lights came down my driveway and it just felt really comforting. And, um, and just kind of came down. It was raining yeah. that night. And the, the lights came down the driveway. There was one on either side. They were um, they were blinking in and out at some at some point, and that's really all I remember. But it Dude. was, I mean, it's one of those memories. Where, like it's it's a very vivid memory, and um, yeah, that's awesome. I got Bigfoot was, stories, and I got all kinds of other stories too. But we'll save them for another time. Would you like to come on again at some other point? Absolutely. Dude, awesome. Thank you so much. And we got a frequency theorist coming up. We'll talk about that after I hit the stop record button. Um, dude, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast and the hour went by really fast. And I, that must mean we had a good time. Yeah, it must be. Thank you for having me. So, so cool to just hang out and uh, talk music. I don't do that much anymore and from this angle of things. Yeah, no, dude. Life. I love it. I love talking music and I love talking all the new stuff and I love talking about the beyond, uh, Ben Carroll. Thank you for coming on. Uh, all the links uh, for Ben will be below. You guys can go check them out. Uh, there's a lot, I'm sure. Uh, definitely TikToks, guys. Y'all go check out these TikToks. They're fucking phenomenal. And they kind of make you feel like sometimes I'll put on, I'll go to YouTube or whatever. And I'll put this on when I'm ha when I've had a crazy day or whatever. And it's just like, okay, now I can chill so you guys make sure you check out all the links below ben thank you so much we'll see you on the next one later <laughs>